Hello and welcome to Shuffle Buddies. My name is Chris Heine, and this is another episode of A Deck of One, where I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite solo games that I come back to quite often. Unfortunately, Casey hasn't been feeling too good. COVID finally found its way into our household, so she was out of commission for a week or two, which means we haven't been able to play a lot of games, and of course we haven't been able to record a podcast, but she will definitely be back next time for a review that I'm super excited about. We're going to be talking about the newly released Carnegie, which is a game I've really been enjoying, and I was able to share with Casey just last night. On this week's episode, I thought it would be great to talk about one of my most often return to solo games that just finds its way to my table again and again. In fact, I found myself playing it while Casey was quarantined, and I just thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity to talk about it on the podcast. The game in question is Nussfjord from Uwe Rosenberg. Uh, But before I jump into that, I think I will talk a little bit about a video game I've been playing lately. So as I mentioned last time, I had been playing Elden Ring, which I finally wrapped up, and that game really dominated a huge amount of time over the past few months. So I decided to jump into something a little bit smaller, but something that's been sitting on my two-play pile for, for quite a while. Um, and I thought this would be a great time to, to jump into a little game called Death's Door, which is published by Acid Nerve. The first thing that grabbed me about Death's Door is just the artwork and the adorable little characters who inhabit this world. And in Death's Door, you play as a little crow with a sword on his back, and you're actually a reaper of souls. You're basically working for the Grim Reaper, harvesting souls. And in this game, you're out to recover a stolen soul and unraveling this mystery of kind of this adorable, lush, but abandoned world that kind of is enshrouded in mystery. The game itself is kind of an isometric perspective action-adventure game. It's definitely inspired by the Legend of Zelda games. Some people say there is a little bit of the Dark Souls formula in there as well, just because it really is kind of centered around these difficult battles, you're collecting souls, but I think the comparisons kind of end there. It really more is in this action-adventure Zelda-style genre. And as I kind of mentioned, I was really looking for a quick, accessible little adventure after my epic quest through the lands between an Elden Ring, and that's exactly what I got from Death's Door. It is a fairly linear and short little adventure, but it's just incredibly solid and well done from start to finish. Again, these adorable little characters you're playing as these little crows, all the characters and enemies just have this like toy-like quality to them where they just feel small and soft and chunky and, and kind of round. And the worlds themselves feel like these little dioramas. Um, Again, they have that ice symmetric perspective. I'm not sure if there's quite any tilt shift going on, but it kind of has that feeling of a tiny little tilt shift diorama world. And it just made me want to like explore around every corner and see what was next and just explore this adorable little world. Um, I'm not always the biggest fan of like these hack and slash kind of adventure games, but the combat was really solid, did require a little bit of finesse here and there, but for the most part, you could just kind of hack and slash your way through. It was just the right amount to enjoy the, the journey and seeing the sights and exploring the world. Overall, it was probably only about a 10-hour game, and right at the end, I maybe probably was feeling like I was about done with it, so it was probably just about the perfect length. I'm really glad I finally dived into Death's Door because I've been meaning to play it for a really long time. It was the perfect palate cleanser after a huge game like Elden Ring. 
And one final thing that I did want to talk about with Death's Door is the soundtrack, which is composed by David Fenn, who is a composer that does a lot of video game soundtracks that I really like. And in fact, I have played the Death's Door soundtrack before I even ever played the game because I play a lot of David Fenn music in the background when I'm playing games and things like that. He just specializes in this kind of chill vibe fantasy music that just fits pretty much any occasion. And I and I just kind of return to again and again. So it was really fun to play Death's Door and just have it already have that amazing familiarity because I was just like feeling at home with the music because I've heard it so many times. Uh, It has a great soundtrack, so that's another reason to play it. But even if you don't want to go play it, check out the Death's Door soundtrack by David Fenn. It's on Spotify or any of the places where you want to listen to some music. He's also got a band camp and you can just buy the album outright. But yeah, that was Death's Door. It was a lot of fun. All right, so let's talk about Noosefjord. Noosefjord is a game where all the players are playing as owners of fishing companies in the village of Noosefjord in Norway. And as such, players are going to work to expand the harbor and develop the surrounding area. They're going to build their fishing fleet, clear the forest, construct buildings, and please the village elders. I guess in a bid to become the most successful village person. Noosefjord is designed by Uwe Rosenberg with art from Patrick Soder and published by Lookout Games. And let's talk quick about how to play a game of Noosefjord. To start, each player has a personal harbor board, and this is going to have space for all the buildings they're going to build, elders that they'll collect, and boats that they'll construct during the game. They'll also start with three worker discs and also five shares of their fishing company. At the start of the game, three of these shares will be flipped to the unissued share side, meaning that no one owns those three shares of your company yet. In addition to the personal player board, there's also a shared action board where you're going to be sending your workers and a whole bunch of cards which represent the different types of buildings you can build. The game takes place over seven rounds, and each round is divided into three phases. The first phase is the fishing phase, where players will determine how many fish they catch that round based on their fleet size. You start the game with only a single boat in your fleet, but obviously you can expand that throughout the game. The more and larger ships that you have, the more fish you'll catch in the fishing phase. However, when you get the fish, you first have to distribute them throughout the village. You first have to feed any elders that you have in your possession. Then you give a fish to every share that you own of your own business, and if any other players have bought shares of your company, you provide them with fish as well. Any remaining fish will be added to the reserve space on your board, which means you technically own them, but you don't have access to them yet. The bulk of the game is the work phase, where players are going to send their workers to the shared action board. Actions include things like building ships, which increases your haul size in the fishing phase, thinning the forest on your harbor board to gain resources and clear more space to build buildings, constructing buildings that give you one-time or ongoing benefits, taking an elder onto your board to use the special action that they provide, or using an elder that's already seated at your table. Elders provide slightly more powerful abilities and extra options. You can also serve fish, and this relates to the elders. When you take an elder or take an elder action, you have to feed them from a shared banquet track in the middle of the table, and eventually that track will empty. If you choose to serve fish, you replace the fish on the banquet track with fish from your supply, and you receive one gold for every plate that you serve. I mentioned that some of the fish go to your reserve, and one of the actions you can do is transfer any items from your reserve to your personal supply so they're available and ready to use. And finally, you can issue a share of your company for gold, or you can buy all the shares that have currently been issued from all players. 
Again, having any owned shares in front of you increases your fish income. After everyone's completed their three actions, it's the return home phase where players are going to retrieve their workers, change player order, and later in the game, add new buildings to the available pool of buildings that players can build from. The game ends after seven rounds, and you total all victory points on your ships and buildings, as well as any game-end scoring abilities triggered by your buildings. You also earn one victory point for every share in front of you, regardless if it's from your company or another player's, and one victory point for every gold. You lose one victory point for every space on your board that isn't covered by a building or a forest, and one point for every unissued share of your own company. The player with the highest score wins, and that's pretty much how you play Nusfjord. So I got Nusfjord when it came out in 2017 or so, and since then it has hit the table consistently, maybe not every month or two, but probably several times a year since its release. So that's pretty impressive. There's not a lot of games that I can say that actually do that. And I think one of the main reasons that Nusfjord really holds up in that regard is that the kind of strategic decision-making and weight to time it takes to play is a really good value proposition. Nusfjord is a very quick game. It's only seven rounds long, and the rounds really do fly by with only three actions each. I would say at this point, I play a game of Nusfjord in 30 minutes, maybe 40 if I am really thinking hard, and often even as low as 20. And even though it's a really quick game, I feel when I'm finished that I've made as many decisions and as important decisions as I would have in any kind of traditional 90-minute game with a similar weight. And that's really important because I think a lot of little, shorter solo games often don't feel as substantial and as meaty as some of these bigger, longer games. And Nusfjord strikes a really nice balance of just, you know, keeping that time down. The games fly by way faster than I even want them to in many cases because I really would love to do more. But by the end of the game, I really feel like I've had kind of that arc and I have made some really good decisions. The actions, like I said, are really small and simple, but with only 21 actions and so many things to do, every action really does feel critical and there's rarely any throwaway actions or turns where you just didn't feel like you really got to do anything important. Part of that probably comes from the setup and I think Nusfjord has a really nice mix of long-term planning and tactical kind of mix-ups. And what I mean by that is I kind of mentioned when I taught the game that there was all of these buildings that you can build. And how that works is it's divided into the A buildings and the B buildings. And at the start of the game, all of the A and B buildings are out on the board, which is probably about 15 different buildings. And one of the longest and kind of chunkiest parts of Nusfjord is sitting down when you set up the game and you randomly deal out these buildings and looking at what 15 buildings are going to be available. The A buildings usually really get your engine started. They're not usually worth many points. Uh, but they really kind of like jumpstart something. They help you build faster. They help you get more resources. They give you little bonuses. The B buildings, uh, you have to build to a little bit more and they kind of start to narrow down a little bit more of a strategy. And so right off the bat, you can kind of say, okay, I see all these buildings are on the table. These two A's really work together and that really builds to this B. And those are the three I'm gonna focus on as well as maybe in increasing my fleet size. So once you kind of get your head around what buildings are out there, you can really just kind of work towards the ones you're planning on, hoping that you planned right. And in the case of a multiplayer game, no one took the building that you were going to build. You can really have a good sense of where you're headed. Now, what happens is later in the game, after the halfway point, 
they introduced the C buildings. And these C buildings are really these big end game scoring buildings. They're usually not that beneficial for giving you any resources or helping your engine, but they really cash out on different strategies to get you lots and lots of bonus points. And they're kind of a big way to cash in right at the end of the rounds. And I think that's a good balance for me because you can kind of plan and say, hey, this this is really going to be about fish and buildings, or it's really going to be about elders and you know whatever it is, or gold. And when those sea buildings come out, you kind of say, okay, this is what I've done to this point. With where I am right now, which of these buildings are going to be the most beneficial? Sometimes they don't work out perfectly for what you like, and you might have to pivot a little bit, but usually you can find one or two that are just like right in your wheelhouse, and then you just have to figure out how you're going to generate the resources to get those buildings before the end of the game. I think if everything was out there, maybe it would be a little bit too like pre-scripted and you would find your way through this path of buildings and figure out what exactly you're gonna do. And so I just really like the way that Newsfjord is structured. I've heard of people playing with variants where people deal out those C cards right at the beginning of the game so they can really plan. But for me, I don't really feel like that's necessary. I think that there's a really nice balance and I think it is, really exciting to kind of get to those final rounds and deal out those C cards. And it actually happens in two phases where you deal them out once in round four and then again in round six. So you kind of get two rounds where you get to see four of them and then three more. And so you're kind of saying, okay, these are really good, but ooh, if I wait a little bit longer, I'll get to see a couple more and maybe one of those will be even better. So to me, that's actually a pretty exciting part of the game. And this is a pretty simple and straightforward worker placement game. There's not very many worker placement spots on the board. And for the most part, they're pretty straightforward. So it is really all about these buildings. And having that variety of buildings come out is really kind of what makes the game kind of exciting. However, there are a couple wrinkles to the worker placement formula that this game throws in. And one of those is kind of the elders and the banquet table where you serve fish. Serving the fish is one of especially early on, one of the best uses for fish. It makes you a lot of money or it can, but you got to get in there and serve when the banquet table is low. The elders are also using the fish from the banquet table. So anytime anyone buys an elder or uses one of the elders they already have, it's taking fish off of the banquet table. And that's the only way that banquet table gets empty. So it's kind of this waiting game of using the elders and lowering the level of fish in the banquet table and then jumping in and refilling it. And it gets more and more expensive the more plates you fill. So you want to make sure to wait till it's really empty and then fill as many plates as you possibly can to really get the most bonus out of that action and get the most money out of it. And I think it can become a really difficult balance because sometimes I really focus on that track and I really fill the plates a lot, but other times I don't. But then I'll get around to using an elder and I'll realize the banquet table is empty. And that is terrible because then I can't do that action and I'm going to have to figure out a way to get fish and fill the banquet table before I can use this elder that might have been really important to my strategy. So the banquet track is definitely one of kind of Nusfjord's defining characteristics or features. And I do think it kind of adds a fun puzzle. And when you're playing solo, I think puzzle is probably the right word. There's a lot to balance in Nusfjord for such a small game. You're kind of deciding how big you want to build your fishing fleet, the amount of elders you have at your table, the timing of your actions, the amount of shares you've sold versus how many you own, which buildings you're going to build, whether you're relying on pulling items out of your reserve or not. 
It's a short game with a lot of different elements to weigh. Again, you can make a plan, but you always feel like you're short on time and short on resources or short on something. Uh, in Newsfjord, I always feel like I wish I had a little bit longer. I wish I could build just one more building. I wish I could get just a couple more items into my reserve so when I emptied, it'd be all the more valuable. Again, I think for the length of this game, it offers just a really large amount of decisions to make, and that's really satisfying. A downside to having a slightly smaller worker placement game could be that it just feels a little samey or repetitive because there's not that many action spaces to go to, so you could kind of fall into a rhythm. But the other defining part of Newsfjord is these buildings that you're building because there is a ton of variety in the buildings, and that's really what you're going to have to look at to determine what's going to be a winning strategy for each game of Newsfjord. Like I said, at the start of the game, there's 15 public buildings that are available to build, and there are three different decks that these can come from. And when you play a game, you don't even use the entirety of one deck. So one deck could get you through several games of Newsfjord without even using the same buildings. Once you've kind of experimented and played through the first deck a few times, you can pull out the second deck and it would just really change how the game feels. I've played through the three decks that come with the game quite a few times and this game still doesn't feel stale to me. It always feels new and interesting and like I have new things to consider. There's been buildings that I've definitely seen several times and I'm like, ooh, I really like this building. This building has worked really well for me in the past, but there are not times where I'm like, oh, this building again? Okay, well, you know, I've seen this a million times. If anything, I've seen a couple of the buildings a few times and it's also just as important for the buildings that are going to work with it. So a building that might be great this game might not be great another game. I also have the expansion to Newsfjord and I haven't even opened the deck of cards that comes with that one yet just because I haven't really felt like I've truly needed it. That's still waiting for me. It's still something I'm going to explore. Uh, I just bought it because I liked Newsfjord so much that I just felt like why not? That being said, the buildings are always different, but the elders are always the same in each game. And in the solo game, I believe there's only six or seven to choose from. I think it really is just me, but there are certain elders that I definitely gravitate towards. And I kind of felt like there's probably two or three that I always get if I can. Now, that might be short-sighted on my part because even playing it just this week, I took a different elder I had never taken before. And I was just like, now this one feels like one I will never not take again. So it's possible that everyone is just as good as the other and I'm just used to taking certain ones or they just play better with the types of strategies that I like to perform. Maybe they're a little bit better for building and I, and I really do enjoy building. So it would be great to see more elders at some point, but it's really kind of a small nitpick. I think it's just feels like when I play Newsfjord, there are certain elders that are usually central to my strategy and mostly I play solo. So I usually get the ones I want. Uh, when I have played multiplayer and I don't get the elders that I'm used to getting, then that kind of makes me really have to rethink how I'm going to play. So something that might force you to take a different elder in the solo game probably would be welcome as well. Speaking of solo, let's talk about the solo mode. I didn't even speak to the solo game when I talked about how to play Newsfjord. And that is kind of one of the best parts about Newsfjord as well. The solo mode takes almost zero additional rules. In the solo mode, instead of taking one player color, you just take two player colors. So you have three blues and three reds. In the first round, you place out your three red discs, and then during the cleanup phase, you don't take them back. In the second round, you use the blue discs, and you just can't go where you went the first round. Then during the cleanup phase, you take back the red discs, and so you're just alternating between red and blue, and every round, you're blocking yourself for the next round. 
And that's pretty much it. That's the only real change to Nusfjord, which is great because if you know how to play solo, you know how to play multiplayer. If you know how to play multiplayer, you know how to play solo. And that's that's always a treat. I love complicated solo modes with AIs and with upkeep and that simulate another player or things like that. But when it comes down to it, that's one of the reasons Nusfjord just hits the table again and again and again. I don't have to remember or even take the time to take another player's turn. It adds another layer of decision and strategy because I know when I'm taking an action that I am blocking that action for myself the next round. It's kind of just another layer to the puzzle that just makes it that much more interesting. There are times where I want to do something and I'm like, well, if I just wait until the next round, I'll be able to do it better. So I really shouldn't do it now. I'll be kicking myself in the teeth. And again, because this game is so short, it's only seven rounds. It just feels like you are in your own way the whole time. You can't crank on an action and just do it again and again and again because you're blocking it even if you wanted to use it again and again and again you're blocking it half the game it does force you to really think through those couple turns in a row because it does feel more like you are playing a little bit further out into the future when you're playing the solo game i feel like it is just a genius way to do things. It's really common in these Uwe Rosenberg games to play the solo mode this way, but I always just think it's such a simple and clever way to do it. It makes it so easy and the learning curve is so low on the solo mode that it's just a no-brainer. And in fact, with Newsfjord, it's the main way I play the game. I have played it with other people and I think it's great that way, but as I said in the top 10 list, Glass Road is a game that has a great solo mode, but I prefer that I play that one with people. Newsfjord, I love to play with people, but I probably prefer this one solo. It's so smooth and so easy to just get to the table and play that when I really am just feeling like playing a solo game, but I just do not feel like a big setup or you know running another AI or anything like that. I'm just like, whatever, Newsfjord is great. And that's why it keeps hitting the table again and again. Now, is there anything I don't like about Newsfjord? There, there's a couple things. They're, they're pretty trivial, but I'll just mention them just because. Um, I do really like the overall look of Nusfjord. I think that the character portraits have kind of this like uh, quaint quality where they feel like they might have been watercolor portraits painted by the town artist who's just kind of known as the person to go to for portraits for the city hall or for the historical society or something like that. They just kind of have a very fitting feel for this quaint little village. But like I said, the main point of the game is these buildings, and the building cards do not have any artwork whatsoever. They are a pretty blank card with a texture that just has the name of the building, what it does, and its resource cost printed on them without any artwork at all, which is just a little bit weird because, again, it is a big focus of the game, and it makes the game look kind of boring because when you see the board, you kind of see one third of the game with these action spaces and then two thirds that are just kind of a wall of text with 15 different cards. You also have this player board that has like an illustration of the little bay. It's got an illustration where the boats are going to be built down in the water. Um, you have these forest tiles that kind of have little trails running through them that you're going to be clearing off and you clear them off and it has the grassland painted on the board and everything like that. But then the buildings you're building into those spaces are just cards with text on them. And it feels like they kind of went through the trouble of making these player boards that felt like they were a top-down view looking at a landscape. But then the cards just don't add to that vibe, even though the boats do and the forests do and other things you're putting on this board do. But the, the cards themselves don't. Part of that is probably because there's so much variety on these cards and you just have to make a lot of artwork because there's like hundreds of cards 
So I totally get that. But I do kind of wish there was maybe a few different key pieces of artwork for different types of buildings or something like that. So then you would get some variety and you could say like, hey, I can tell from afar that you have a village really focused on lumber and you have a village really focused on fishing and you have a village that's really focused on elders. Just something that's visually distinct. So when you're done, you can kind of look back and reflect on how different your village is from your neighbor's. Right now, you really don't get that. There's probably a lot to be said about the Instagrammability of board games in this age, and Newsfjord is just not that Instagrammable because you're not showing this cool little farm you made. Even in Agricola, you kind you know you kind of get the houses that look like little illustrated rooms. You get the fences with little you know cow meeples and sheep meeples. It really does just kind of look like a little farm. And Newsfjord, you don't. When you're done, you can take a picture of your board, and you will have a few paragraphs of text. <laughs> uh, so that's not super exciting. Ultimately, it doesn't really affect how the game plays, but it would be really nice to have a more beautiful version of Newsfjord because the production otherwise is really nice. You know, it feels very in that Lookout Games, Uwe Rosenberg kind of feel. If you know what those games feel like, you'll kind of know what Newsfjord feels like, but it just doesn't carry that theme through to the having the artwork of the buildings, which would be just a nice touch. One thing that does kind of affect the gameplay, at least for me, is the money. And the money in this game is ridiculous. It is like the tiniest money you have ever seen. The money itself is just like literally each dollar in the game is a little disc of cardboard that's probably about the width of a pencil eraser. They are just the tiniest little dollars and they are so fussy and hard to pick up and stick to things and slide around and roll around and they are just just a really weird choice now i did say i have that expansion and while i haven't opened the deck it does come with metal coins which are of a more normal size and i use those now so it doesn't really affect me but it was kind of a pain playing noose fjord before i got that expansion so just be aware if you do get it and you don't have like tiny hands and long fingernails you might have a hard time picking up this money and playing the game just an odd production choice. And one final nitpick, and this really isn't even a bad thing, but Newsfjord is really quick and it would be easy to play back to back. But because you put out this big array of buildings every game, sometimes after the first game, I'm like, I should just play this again because it only took 20 or 30 minutes and I'll put out another display of buildings and I'll kind of start looking at them. And I'll just kind of feel exhausted because I'm just like, oh, I just made all these decisions and now I'm looking at these again. And it's just a lot of information that you kind of have to absorb before even really taking your first turn because you really want to kind of figure out what buildings you're going to focus on and decide upon that strategy. Now, I'm kind of saying it's a negative. It's not really a negative because the game was kind of thinky and deep enough for me to kind of get to that point of mental exhaustion where maybe a second game isn't necessarily a gimme. I usually do play it two times, but maybe on the third time, I'm just like, all right, I can't, I can't look at these again. I'm going to have to like go away and I'll come back and play later. So that's not really a, a negative. However, the first time you're ever playing Newsfjord, it is a lot for a new player to sit down and say, oh gosh, I'm supposed to like read all of these 15 buildings and figure out which ones I want to build before I even start playing the game. It's kind of a lot to ask up front, but again, it kind of gives you that long-term strategy that you want. So it's not really a negative. It's not really a positive. It's just something to consider. It makes it a little bit trickier to just sit somebody down and start playing the game, or it makes it trickier for you to just sit down and play your third game straight. 
Again, that's probably the worst criticism I have. So as you can probably tell, I love Newsfjord, especially as a solo game. Some solo games have really simple and small decision spaces that just are not that interesting. Other solo games are just so huge and such a commitment to run that they really require you to dedicate an entire evening to play it. Newsfjord sits in that sweet spot where you can get in a game in no time, but you really do feel like you got in a full-fledged strategy game and really made some solid decisions and really kind of influenced the outcome of how your game shook out. So for me, Newsfjord is kind of the perfect tight little package without too many bells and whistles. And that always leaves me feeling like I didn't have quite enough time. And that's kind of the perfect spot I want one of these games to to leave me. I really want to feel like I accomplished something, but that I could have accomplished more if I just had another round or a few more resources. That's pretty much what I think about Newsfjord. So before I head out, I will say Casey should be back next episode and we should be talking about Carnegie, which is a excellent game. I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, and until then, if you want to find us on Instagram, we're shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're shuffle underscore buddies. You can subscribe to our show on any place that podcasts are served. You can find our guild at boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash three eight. Three, six. And if you want to find me personally on Board Game Geek, I am Teen Wolf Dude. And with that, I will shuffle out of the harbor to see if I can catch some delicious Norwegian salmon. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle.